0: Thank you Gail. Good morning everybody. Sorry for the uh technical difficulty this morning. It worked right before you guys got here. I promise. And um and and uh I'm sure most everyone received an email this past Friday from me regarding uh, some new protocol that we're going to have and then here I am violating it. <laughs> um, so um as I as I preach, I am I'm gonna come back a little bit further, and then also, but I will remove my mask because I think just a great percentage of communication is nonverbal, and it's hard. It would be hard, or maybe more difficult for you to understand if I was, you know, smiling or or being sarcastic, you know, whatever. So or very angry at something, you know. So so um so as I sit up here, I will have uh, my mask removed for for the sermon part of it. So. Uh, hopefully grace uh, will be given. So uh, it is good uh, to meet this morning. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, it's a gift to be able to, to gather, and I'm thankful for God's provision uh, in this season uh, for us and for the church. Uh, we're almost through the summer series uh, in the beginning, and here uh, we've been blessed uh, on the journey of, of reading these very rich, rich stories from the book of Genesis. And we'll conclude next week, but today we, we dive into the beginning of this, of this um, story of Joseph. It's a long story, 14 chapters long, uh, 37, Genesis 37 through 50. Uh, and it's important to note that Joseph had more than just style, okay? But before we get in uh, to our text, I just want to pause and recognize the passing of John Lewis, um, back on July 17th, from uh, uh, from cancer, he was honored and respected as the conscience of the Congress of Congress and uh, an icon in American history. He dedicated his entire life to nonviolent activism. He was outspoken in the struggle uh, for equal justice in America, uh, particularly with voting rights. Uh, was uh, a big thing for him. His his funeral was this past Thursday. Uh, and services were held at Ebenezer Baptist Church, a historic Ebenezer Baptist Church. The same Ebenezer Baptist Church, uh, former um, uh, of pastors of Martin Luther King Sr. and Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and this, this church also housed the funeral um, or had the funeral of Martin Luther King after his assassination. Uh, at, at Martin Luther King's memorial service, um, it began with our scripture... Uh, part of our scripture text this morning in Genesis 37. And we read in verses 19 and 20 in the King James Version, "'Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what becomes of his dreams.'" We will see what what will become of his dreams. Okay, this is the verse. This is the this is what began the memorial service for Martin Luther King Jr. and it was our and it's part of our text this morning. Martin Luther King uh, and his father before him, uh, there lived within them a dream. They were both dreamers, and we have seen parts of uh, Martin Luther King's j- dream come to f- uh, fruition. But some of that dream has yet to arrive. Today we have, a story, we have the story of Joseph, and like, like father, like son, his father is Jacob, uh, they were both dreamers. Uh, both had issues, some of the uh, commonalities, like father, like son, they both had issues with their brothers, I would say, <laughs> right? As Jacob, uh, and as Jacob deceived his father, so Jacob's sons deceive him like father, like son. So today, like the rest of the stories in our series, uh, we have a deeply human story, a story in which I think we are all invited to see ourselves in. Uh, Now, probably the most recognizable aspect of the story, Gail touched on it here, uh, to the masses, both church and unchurched, is Joseph in the the amazing technicolor dream coat. Uh, personally, I'm not, a, I'm not one for musicals. <laughs> All right. But we read that this coat was given to Joseph by his father Jacob as a young adult. The question is why? Well, well he's, he was favored of the 12 sons and the 13, the 13 uh, children uh, in total. Why was he favored? Well, he was the firstborn uh, uh, to the previously barren Rachel, the wife that Jacob loved. Now remember last week he had two wives. Uh, he had um, Rachel and, and Leah, and Leah would, uh, or sorry, and Rachel would uh, eventually die in, in childbirth uh, of their second son named Benjamin. The coat here, the Technicolor dream coat, the coat isn't the theme of the story, but it does serve as the central symbol of their hatred and jealousy towards Joseph. Okay. Why this hatred between the family? Why this hatred between the brothers? Um, I could see four reasons just on the surface. One that we've already mentioned, this coat, this very expensive cloth. A visible reminder to the rest of the family of Joseph's special status within the family. Uh, Number two, his father openly preferred him. We read this in verse 3 of our text today. Uh, Now Joseph didn't help matters himself when he is a bit of a tattletale, right? Right? Uh, telling his father of um, perhaps the other sons, they're they're lazy, uh, not hard not hardworking, in, in the fields. And finally, Joseph Joseph had dreams, uh, and and part of those dreams is that all of his brothers would one day would bow down and follow him. Okay, uh, this from a commentary uh, New interpreter's uh, commentary. Dreams in that world were usually understood to be externally and divinely generated not the result of an interior psychological process. Yet the brothers interpret Joseph's dreams as if they were a, the product of Joseph's own arrogance rather than a divine word about destiny. Okay? Because this is truly a deeply human story, uh, I just want to pause this morning and ask, um, I wonder if anyone here can identify with being the favorite child. On the other side, I wonder if anyone here knows what it's like to be the one left behind and not highly favored. Given this favoritism, given this uh, jealousy, as you guys kind of like look at each other, this is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, given this favoritism, this jealousy, uh, this perceived pride and arrogance on Joseph, um, I was reading this text and I was wondering about the couple of times where we see this word shalom in the Hebrew appear, okay? Because it seems to be absent here in the opening, opening um, episode of the story. In verse 4, when, when his brothers saw that their, uh, that their father loved him more than any, uh, than any of them, They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, this could not speak a kind word, okay? this Shalom is right here. In the King James Version, would not speak to him peaceably. That is, they refused to live at peace with his brother. Then a bit later in verse 14, So he, that is Jacob, said to him, Go and see if all is well. The well, all is well. Is there... Is there flourishing among your brothers? How are the flocks? Is all um, are they experiencing shalom? Go and see. I don't know about you, but when I see that from Jacob, um, wouldn't Jacob know that this is perhaps a, a dangerous, uh, less than wise move to send Joseph out away to his brothers? Maybe he had caught previously that there's some animosity between. Them right? This, you know, I'm just curious why, he did, why, why uh, Jacob would do this. So Joseph obeys, though. He gets a bit lost in the way, and finally comes to uh, Dothan, or Dothan. And it re- reads in verse 18, but they, the brothers, saw him in, a, in the distance, and before they reached him, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns, cisterns Uh, and say that the ferocious ferocious animal devoured him, uh, then we will see what comes of his dreams. Reuben says, throwing him into this pit would be enough. Let's not kill him. Therefore, his his blood would not be on our hands. Secretly, though, Reuben, the eldest son, saw an opportunity to help Joseph later. Sounds like a nice guy. But why? Well, He wanted to gain the favor of his father. If he were to to come back and rescue his poor brother from this pit and present him to dad, this would go well for him. So, just even considering Reuben in this story, I'm invited to to consider the question personally uh, when it comes to family, uh, do I have my own agenda? Do I have my own agenda? Now, throughout the story, um, I cannot find a more awkward space between verses 24 and 25. I don't know if anyone else uh, sort of noticed this or picked up on this, but now they took him and threw him into the into the cistern. Uh, the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. Perhaps meaning this would be a slow death. Awkward pause. As they sat down to eat their meal. Okay, Do you see the space in between? Verses 24 and 25. So I invite you this morning to notice and to wonder about space and time. Space and time. They throw him in, and do they sit down right there and have their lunch? Or do they walk for a bit? Then sit down. How much space and time would there have been between, between them and their brother who was just thrown into the pit? Joseph here, as the one who is being cast out, as the one who is suffering under oppression of his brothers, he doesn't speak. He says nothing. Nothing like, wait, 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 guys, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Or, hold on, hold on a minute, hold on, we'll make it better. Uh, There's no recording of his screaming for help. Help, help. No voice of suffering is present. It's only after the brothers realized their evil deeds, this is when they were reunited much later, do we read of Joseph's immediate response after being tossed into the pit. And here I pause to refer you to the cover page of the weekly. That's a direction of, you know, that we could go, but I just wanted to park it there and just just take note of that. But as the story continues, so we'll just leave that there about his suffering. Um, and as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, well, what will we gain if we, kill, if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. Luckily for Joseph or divine providence, a caravan shows up of Ishmaelites. Coincidence that these people coming from Ishmael, Ishmael son of Hagar, son of Abraham, one who also knows what it's like to be cast out, cast away, unwanted, expendable, interesting to say the least, and he sold for 20 shekels. And he and the caravan travel down to Egypt, and eventually he ends up with Potiphar. Our lectionary story stops here, but but after the brothers take him, uh, uh, after this, the brothers take the robe, dip it into some goat's blood, tell the father Jacob, that an animal must have devoured him, and all that was left is this coat. Such a sad story. Amen? Jacob is distraught, and he says that he will mourn for the rest of his days. An observation here is that if the brother's goal was to displace Joseph as number one in his father's heart, well, they failed. It actually cemented Jacob's love and desire for his son, Joseph. The plan, the plot, the scheme, it all backfires. Now, as I said earlier, the the story continues all the way through Genesis 50. Much happens in the meantime. We have the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Uh, He spent some some time in jail. He interprets some dreams for Pharaoh. He becomes a free man, and not just a free man, but second in command of all of Egypt. The story of Joseph is a hard one. There are many plot twists, positive and negative turns. It is a roller coaster ride through 14 chapters uh, of this mini series drama. One thing to note for me is that when I was reading through, God is not mentioned until much later in the story. God is not mentioned until much later in the story. But this doesn't mean that God isn't present. It is only when Joseph is reunited with his brothers in Egypt after a long famine, where the threat to life is very real, that God is finally mentioned. When the brothers come face to face with their long lost brother, they are consumed with guilt, grief, and shame. But Joseph says not to worry. And we find this in Genesis 45. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me father to Pharaoh and, and lord to all all of, his house, um, all of his house and ruler of the land of, of Egypt. Here we see that God has been at work even through all of the brothers' misdeeds, bringing them to this place, a moment captured here in, ver- in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 45. Basically, you may not recognize God's hand, but it's there nonetheless. Sometimes when we consider the story, you can look at sort of two, two different ways of uh, what is God up to in the world. Is there this thing called divine de- 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 determinism where God fully controls people and events in the world, or another thought is deism, a deism understanding where God just simply must make do with whatever humans uh, choose to do and kind of just stands back and not so much involved. I don't think either, either of those pers- perspectives help us to interpret this theologically as a story. But maybe a third way of understanding is that God does act in the world, but doesn't control. And God truly is in the business of cleaning up our messes. Can I get an amen? Anyone? Can you witness to that? God cleans up our messes. <laughs> uh, I think I think God's hope from the beginning. God's desire for Joseph and his brothers from the beginning was shalom, well-being, flourishing, peace for everyone in the family. But the path to that goal took a very indirect route, wouldn't you agree? Uh, given the human element involved with each of these characters. So God desires us to follow a path that would bring us to health, health, um, uh, uh, wholeness, redemption, reconciliation. God has and always will be, this has and always will be the goal. There's an element of choose your own adventure, but no matter what the adventure, the goal is peace and shalom and salvation for everyone. Choose your own adventure. Remember those books? I think? Yeah. Kind of my favorites. So, um, So I want to share just a small example of what happened to me a few weeks ago. We'll call it the Menards mishap. (laughs) Uh, This is centered around the implementation of the playground equipment and the railroad ties that are around it. Uh, Pause, thank you to Avery, Hudson, and Sage for helping with the mulch and uh, getting that all prepared. So well done, great guys. Uh, So I went to Menards and I went uh, and I had not yet purchased the supplies and I had Ron Bachman's flatbed, flatbed trailer to get the railroad ties here, and the kids were in the truck with me. So I'm, I go to park in the back of Menards at Washington, and then go in and then order order the material. But the lady working at the security booth said, um, uh, you know, I pulled up and she told me that there's no access without first purchasing the product. I frustratingly <laughs> said, Why can't I just park over here? It's a wide open space over here. Um, Is there such a concern that I'm going to steal something? Uh, Why can't you just trust me? So a bit rudely and probably visibly upset, I reversed out of there and went all the way around to the front parking lot to then go in and purchase the products. Now, after that inter- interdu- uh, interaction, I knew that in my spirit, it wasn't the right way to handle it. I was a bit rude and frustrated. I should have been more kind, less you are ruining my day with your stupid rules. This is the kind of attitude I had. So I go up to the place where you order the railroad ties, and a lady, that lady from the security booth walks in the back door and walks up to me and says, I know you from somewhere. (laughs) Would you by chance be a pastor? (laughs) Busted. (laughs) Why, yes I am. I'm a pastor at Menomore Mennonite Church. Oh, I've been to your church a couple times before the pandemic hit. I am Jay and Alicia's neighbor, Crystal busted, right? Busted. So when I left the security checkpoint, there was an absence of peace. But it finally came when after talking with her inside, I could feel a peace, I could feel a restoration begin to happen. We had about a 10-minute conversation. What God wanted for me, what God wanted for her, what God invites us all toward is this peace, this shalom, and reconciliation for everyone all the time. Sometimes it 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 just took a, it, sometimes it just takes a different path in order for it to come. She was so gracious with me, extended mercy, and I felt guilt and shame. Again, a small example, not as significant as Joseph being thrown into a pit or sold into slavery at Egypt. In, in Egypt, although I did have to go all the way around to the other parking lot, I was on a time crunch. I had to get going. Right, the kids were with me in the car. Right, like last week, this story is not just about Joseph and his brothers, but this story is about us in all the ways that we're stricken with greed, selfishness, pride, favoritism, and jealousy. The good news, again, as in last week, that God is working around all of that to find a way to reconcile all of us to one another and to our Creator. Now, I'm sure like Joseph, in the midst of this pandemic of COVID-19, as well as racial unrest in the world today, among many other injustices, It may appear that God is not present to us. But the story this morning reminds us that God is present to us, even though we might not be aware of it. At the conclusion of the book of Genesis, we have the death of Jacob, and then Joseph meets with his brothers once more, and we have the following verses. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done in, in the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And, and this is important. He And he reassured them and spoke peace. He spoke peace to them. This is the good news.